the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Oh, great one. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm the great one today. Hi, Johnny Carson, not a very nice man, but that's okay. So everyone wants free advice, which I think you're hurting yourself on. I can't tell you how many people I see try to do it themselves and then they mess up and they'll even go to a seminar and take pictures of the slides and think I can do this. But in the end, they can't do it. Otherwise, they would have done it. And when they try to replicate it, it gets kind of like a little bit confusing because things change. Environments are different. 2000 ushered in a millennial change, right? And uh, the way we do business kind of started getting faster and cheaper and roadblocks came down. And if you wanted to start your own business, I saw Amazon has a thing now where if you want to start a delivery business, they will help you and they will help you buy a car or a van. They will help you buy a fleet of cars or vans. They will put their logo on it and they will help you hire people. So if you want to start a bit like, wait, wait, don't you have to go to college to start a business or don't you have to have a great idea? No, Amazon's saying we need little birds to go to do our delivery work, right? So things change. Probably the number one thing that I see people do is just try to cheat and say, what, give me advice for free. And the best thing I could say on advice is look for trends. So let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. As the baby boomers get older, they take more drugs. And when you hear stories of like Viagra selling out, you know, just dominant because they're taking more baby boomers get older. They go to the doctor. They say, hey, I saw a commercial. Hey, can I get that? So the trend of the aging of the boomer was a big one for investing. Now, let's talk some trends on real estate, supply and demand. We've been in a trend where there's been not enough supply, too much demand, and what happened in those you know, eight, nine, ten years? It was a trend. It was eight, nine, ten years of low supply and high demand, and it's not a surprise of what happened. Yeah, and we're in a trend right now that's um, it's hard to get away from, um, and it's lasted a long time, and we have short memories in real estate. And I'm not saying that not a lot of there's still people out there that remember our last crisis or recession, the Great Recession, whatever you want to call it. But it it's it's interesting to see that some people are still making the same mistakes that they made last time. Yeah, or at least thinking that way, the speculators. So it, it, we did usher in a very interesting age. Uh, baby boomers are, uh, and I, I'm glad you brought up that point. We, what are we going to do with the baby boomers? And I I think the baby boomers are one of the I don't want to say problems, but they could be the cure to the real estate uh, um, crisis that we're in now. And we are in a crisis of short inventory. We're just not seeing enough buildings. So it always comes down to the whole question is where people are going to move. Um, Because all we're seeing right now are apartment buildings. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if that answers your question. Close enough. But I think the trend on inventory, and this is a big statistic in, in real estate when you see new homes and existing homes, of how many days of inventory there are. At about three months, it's considered a... Three, three to six months, it could be considered normal. Healthy. Healthy. Nine, and it's suddenly a buyer's market because that seller's been put that house on the market for nine months. And that's like a long... That's how long it takes to make a baby, right? Yeah. It's long... It, uh, we're talking, I think, right now, 50 days, I think, nationally. Yeah, it depends on... Yeah, locally, it's yeah. going to be different. Locally, like, it's yeah, different, yeah. Locally, in some cities, it's like three days on the market. Uh, sale pending, almost as soon as for sale sign goes up. Or, you know, showing this Sunday, Monday morning, sale pending. Uh, but I think that's a trend, and I think you're going to see into the end of the year... With the higher interest rates, with the higher mortgage rates, albeit they do fluctuate, we should see a building of inventory this fall. We're getting out of the spring season. We're moving into the summer season. Foot traffic's a little bit lower. We should see some, some building, off incredibly low levels of inventory in markets like Boston, Detroit, Nashville. Um, I don't want to say realtors are unreliable when it comes to the information because it seems like they're always saying, oh, yeah, more inventory is coming on the market. And, and we've kind of hear that every spring and every fall, the two big buying seasons and selling seasons of the year. And we're hearing the same thing about this fall. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a reason why this is the, this fall is going to be a big season because everybody's going to go back to school. They want to get their house sold and they want to move before everything, you know, they have to put their kids back through, but uh, we still see that they're shrinking inventory and there's nothing we can do about it right now. In fact, Robert Schiller, he came out and said that that's the one main driving force behind increasing home prices because of our inventory issue. But where we should see inventory build is on the high end and on the mid. It's the low and mid homes around 350,000. They're going to sell in a week. Yeah. Uh, They're going to sell almost immediately because they're easily financed and there's a lot of demand for them from trend number two in the near future. I predict. Millennials will start to come into their own. I know a couple of millennials that they had fun in their 20s and they, they got their job going and they got their, uh, uh, how shall we say, the raves out of the way. And now they're starting to get serious and make babies. And suddenly the millennials are starting to come in their own with jobs and starting to come in their own with wanting to own a home. So millennials should be a bigger part of the buyers in the next three to five years. That's a trend. Where, where do millennials want to live right now? Where can they afford to buy? That's where your investment ideas can start coming together and go, aha, I get it. Low inventory. I get it. Um, high demand. I get it. You know, $350,000 home is what I should be looking at because that's where I might be able to get in. Because it's what, whatever perspective you're, you're at. If you're a builder, you're an investor and you want to make money, you have a lot of money to spend, you're going to probably build apartments right now. And that's the unfortunate part about the whole formula here. We have a massive buying pool. The millennials supposedly represent the largest buying pool we've ever seen in history, right. baby boomers, generation X and so on. And yet there's no affordable housing out there for them. And they're meanwhile, rents are high and it's draining their ability to save uh, down payment. They've they're, they're carrying the largest amount of student debt uh, in history and these are the people who are supposed to be buying houses. So where are they buying houses? That's a trend that we're, de- we're certainly following right now. Um, it's it's got to be tough out there as a millennial saying, I want to be close to the jobs, but I want to own a house. And you can't have both. 
um, dual incomes are what we're seeing a lot of right now, Rob, right? Because that's really the only way that you can do the same kind of environment you see in renting, where you're seeing two or three people living in a one or two bedroom apartment. Same thing we're seeing in, in single families or townhouses or condos when it comes to millennials buying. Unless, unless you're getting get, we're seeing a lot of gifts from parents too. So again, as someone who we get questioned all the time, we got questioned last night, like, where should I buy a, a rental property? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, take a look at, just go Google, where are millennials moving? That's your idea. That's your answer. And it's like millennials are going, like, I want to live in like Austin. Right? Like, right? Good. Because in Austin, that's the place where that, that Steve Austin, $6 million man was from. Right? Really? Texas is... Don't mess with Texas, Don't man. mess with Texas, but a that, lot of that people lack are of income tax. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so millennials, where they're, where they're showing their, we want pretzel hamburger buns, go where the pretzel hamburger buns are being made, so to speak, because uh, they are the, they are the, the 43% of all originations and mortgages this year will be tied towards millennials. I don't doubt it. So. Tony Mendez, you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com if you're a millennial, Jax, Boomer, Snot Covered Senior, whatever. If you need a mortgage, he can help you. He doesn't classify, I do. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Santa Claus rally, probably not going to happen for the month of December. Maybe Santa will come late, but time is ticking. Another roller coaster week of trading action ahead of us. Last week was a pretty crazy one. As far as numbers go, they were big and round, but percentage-wise, not that crazy. Stark improvement from where we were 24 hours ago as far as what the world markets look like. China report a weaker-than-expected export growth. Up 5.4% year-over-year in uh, import growth. What's coming in, up 3%. And that fed to some concerns. Then you get China's vice foreign minister urging Canada to release the Huawei technology CFO, Ming Wanzhou, immediately or have to accept full responsibility for serious consequences caused. Oh, my, 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 my. That's starting to get kind of a hair on it. Canada, obviously, friend of the United States on a lot of levels. China obviously rivaled the United States on economic power. Then you get some sanctions that were thrown on Iran from the new president, the current president. And uh, violating the sanctions gets China's CFO in financial trouble. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Leitzager, he's leading the trade negotiations. He's better than Larry Summers. He's better than Donald Trump as far as information goes. It might actually be accurate on what happens with China and the United States. And he says, I see China as a 90-day window with a very hard deadline and that a tariff rate on $200 billion tranche of Chinese goods will be raised 25% from 10% if no deal is done. Now, Kedlow's been coming out and telling the public it's a soft deadline. Leitzager says it's a hard deadline. Trump says it's a hard deadline. So that sets the world into this spin of growth concerns. You know, what do we have out there? a lot of negative catalysts, and um, some of them are being recycled. Same thing with positives. 
there's this idea of let's buy the dip on the stock market. But when your engineers at your television station that you work for are telling you, hey, when's this thing going to be over? I said, can you tell me when the uh, Chinese or United States are going to cave and kind of come to their senses and use each other? He goes, nope. I said, me neither. So we're supposed to get a parliament vote in the next 24 hours on UK's Brexit plan, but that seems like another delayed vote. What a messed up political situation they got themselves into. Prime Minister. Um, so Theresa May is, I'm not going to say in trouble, but it's not going the way she wanted it to. She scheduled to rest the House of Commons. Um, 7.30 Pacific time, so right around now. Right around now. So, buddy. We also got the jobs opening report for October, which is the only economic piece of data out today that I can tell. What's interesting to note about that is the JOLTS report is one of those reports that didn't really mean much to a lot of people, job openings. And then all of a sudden it did. You're like, oh, well, that's interesting. So the job openings came in at 7.07 million versus expectations, 7.00 million. And you go, I wonder if that's enough to move the markets. Major indices put in a very half-open-hearted rebound this attempt this morning. But look, it's heading towards Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Lack of buying conviction. When usually there's more of a, the sellers go away. So the S&P 500 declined 4.6% last week. One would hope there would be a more concentrated effort to buy the dip. Um, But very lackluster right now. Very, very lackluster. Now, 60 Minutes did a piece on Elon Musk last night. And I'm telling you, this guy is not coming across like a CEO from a John Wayne 1970s Western. I don't know what that means, but he's not coming off his old school. So Mr. Musk recalled the insane stress he was under this year while he was in production hell for Tesla's first mass market electric vehicle. He slammed the SEC again. He said he hasn't censored himself on Twitter despite the reprimand from the SEC for his funding secure tweet that forced him to relinquish the chairman role on Tesla's board. He says he doesn't respect the SEC. Um, Interesting. He also said Tesla would fulfill his promise by offering a 35,000 Model 3 next year. Battery costs are the primary impediment to making one profitability. But battery prices continue to fall. He said something that was pretty awesome. He says, how could I... I've never been on time. Whenever I've talked about the Model 3, the Model S, the Model X, it's never been on time. Why did people expect it this time? Because you're CEO of a publicly traded company. If you can't figure out that time frame, have someone else do it. But Tesla on Friday hit an all-time not an all-time high, but a four-month high, recovering a lot of what problems that Elon Musk got himself into. He's a one-man marketing machine. He talked about some new enhanced autopilot features. Car, warm up. Car, come get me. Car, fly in the air. I don't know what it's going to be. Tesla surprised analysts by reporting record profit. Stock's up 25% since then. Um, Tesla's the most valuable car company in the United States. Like, that's kind of a statement, right? If the man from the Model 3 can sustain like the Model S did for years, Tesla has potential to report, you know, some 
potentially some strong numbers in the coming quarters. So, but the stock has had a big problem getting above 360 now for a year and a half. So we'll watch. Tesla announces the year next quarter in early, early January. So one of my neighbors who's the biggest tool on the street, kind of guy who wears white pants all year round, doesn't talk to other neighbors. I live on a fairly successful street, and there's some arrogant people there. But he just bought a Model X. Ooh! Um, <clears throat> cheesy! <coughs> Sorry, I'm making myself like angry and happy and sad all at the same time. I've got a lot going on. So, 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. Um, ongoing concerns about economic growth. Big story today. Lackluster buy-the-dip effort. Big story today. Another sell-off out there. Big story today. Santa Claus is not on the horizon. No Santa Claus rally for December is looking like. We don't see him yet. Tech stocks have outperformed with companies like Qualcomm getting a big victory over China, over Apple in China. Facebook buying back their own shares. we got this and much, much more. Stay tuned. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money invested, and more. I have come to the realization that I look at Wall Street a little bit too much. It's a little bit of a problem. You kind of gain from it. One of the business models that is really working right now, and you should look for this, intent, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, get what I mean, get what I mean, clap of thunder, clap of thunder. You should look at this or look for this when you're investing. It's an odd word. Subscriptions. Microsoft leapfrogged Apple last month to become the world's most valuable company. The symbolism was rich to me. There was a day and age when Microsoft was the top company, but they didn't offer subscriptions to their email service and to the operating system. Apple had iTunes, and they kind of dominated the world. They kind of reshaped file sharing. And now they started getting into a subscription music model, which is pretty generous. Fourteen ninety nine, you can have five people on it. I know Spotify is something similar. nine ninety nine for individual kind of stuff. But subscriptions are a big thing right now, and they're, they're kind of all around the world. I was talking with a certified financial planner recently, and he talked about how he's looking into offering a subscription service. He's going to get it and let his top five clients use it, where it's a vacation rental idea. He's not going to pay for the vacation. He's just going to give the top five clients access to top vacation rentals, not Airbnb rentals, not Hotels.com, but subscription service. It's kind of um, everything that we hated about, you know, getting into the wrong vacation rental perks. Everything that we hate about it, you know, getting locked into timeshares. There's commercials about, is your timeshare, does your timeshare got you down? Are you stuck and don't know what to do? I sued the SEC and I won, or I sued them and I won. You don't win if I don't win. I mean, I get timeshares were a fantasy thing. Le pain, le pain. Where you're like, honey, let's get this timeshare. It's awesome. And we'll go on vacation. You know, like Disney had a timeshare business model that was huge. Subscriptions. They're huge. Apple's got a user base of 1 billion plus iPhones. 
right now when they're struggling to get new iPhones into uh, people's hands, they should be they should be pushing. Hey, we're getting subscriptions to people's hands, so whether it be music or feature video or or what else have you. Dell's trying uh, not Dell, but Deer is trying to sell subscriptions to farmers. Recurring payments are huge. There's a guy named uh, There's a guy in New York who he shines shoes, and instead of hustling for shoes, he's now hustling for subscriptions. Hey, if you're an employee and you show me your badge of this at company, you'll get shoe shines for life. It's a way of rewarding loyal customers. We watch a lot of, we consume a lot of software, music, movies, television, fitness, clothing, and food. And there's subscription models for food, clothing, fitness, television, movies, music, and software. So the cloud thing is a subscription. Amazon Web Services is a subscription, right? Consumers and businesses have found an unlikely alignment through subscriptions. Merchants can see revenue months down the road, while consumers get convenience customization, the promise of ongoing service upgrades for one all-you-can-eat price. So when you're talking about economies that are up for grabs, Netflix is a king because the analysts could say, okay, you have X amount of subscribers, subscribers, subscription. The software industry has spent the last 10 years desperately trying to get into subscriptions. And for instance, in this example, Adobe Edition is an amazing product for editing audio. Uh, simple, simple editing. I could teach you how to edit audio and mix in tracks in 10 minutes, maybe 20. But every software company is trying to get into that same business model now. And I fought it with Adobe because I was like, I want to have my own copy because I buy a computer every three years and I want the copy to go with me. I'm still using Adobe Edition 1.5. It started getting too complicated for me after that. And then there's a subscription, something, no, 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 no. So I bought a key, the key code, and I bought the software. And I'm pretty much so good to go until Adobe says, you know what, we're not going to honor that anymore. We're going to stop honoring installations on new machines after 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or what have you. Subscriptions are pretty powerful. Software companies that are trying to do it are Intuit, Autodesk, Adobe, Cadence, Ariba, Advent. Netflix has taught the world uh, about a subscription model. $7.99, all the movies you can get. Three movies a week. Or as fast as you can put the red envelopes back in the mail. We got addicted to it. We get it. So Adobe is an old company who's reinvented themselves. Customers complain loudly that any time you change Photoshop. But subscriptions are kind of cool. As far as figuring out business models, Time Warner would come out with this massive monster hit movie. Batman versus Godzilla. And Time Warner said, you know, what if it's a flop? We better get something in our business model to get regular revenue. So they bought AOL at the time, AOL Time Warner. And with AOL, you had, you know, 40 million plus subscribers paying $9.99 a month or whatever it was for internet access in a closed environment. That to get out of, you had to figure it out like a prison break. So Time Warner bought AOL to get that, that business smoothed out of cash flow, right? And, you know, a couple years later, you see Disney say, well, we, we're not going to necessarily do that. We're going to start our own services because we have Batman versus Godzilla 1, Batman versus Godzilla 2, and Batman versus Godzilla 3. So, or, since, or what have you, Cars 1, 2, 3. Customers kind of complain loudly at first, but then they switch. And sometimes we look at the ones who have the best value add. 
for instance, I think Google TV service, YouTube TV, is pretty darn, is, is for me, it's ideal. So that's what I use for my subscription service. Cable companies historically have been in the business of not only do they try to get you for $140 a month, but in the future they'll go, well, we got even faster phone. We got even faster internet. We got even better picture. We got even better sound quality. You can hear a pin drop. We want you to pay extra three bucks for that. So scaling up the subscription model is pretty, it's not a bad way to do business. In 2012, that was the last year Adobe's boxed software outsold their subscription hardware. And you look at the company as almost 40 years old and you're like, whoa. Since they've gone to the subscription model, Adobe's up 790% since 2012. I would take that, and you know all those infomercials, like we, we make better air-popping chicken than Kentucky Fried Chicken? I'll, I'll take the bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken that no one wants. That and a 790% return? Woohoo! I'm sexy. So Wall Street likes the recurring revenue because it makes their job easy. Super easy on figuring out winners and losers. Have you figured out the importance of subscription models, whether you're Adobe or Netflix? Now, Netflix is the easiest one, or Apple Music is the easiest one, or Spotify is the easiest one. There's actually an app now that'll go through your phone, Trim, T-R-I-M. It'll go through your subscriptions and your, your bank accounts, and it'll say, look, Rob, you're paying 40 bucks a month for satellite radio. Why? We see there's a deal out there for $9.99. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. That sounds good. So there's even apps out there now that will look and see if you're still subscribing to stuff you should be subscribing to. I think it's kind of, kind of a cool app. I think everyone should take a look at Trem. Again, you've got to get over your, your little boy fears that there's something in the closet or under the bed, which Saturday Night Live did a good job of this weekend of what's in the closet. But can you just learn your lines, please? Mr. De Niro, can you just learn your lines? His reading off of a cue card is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. It made me feel for, like good to have a kindergartner read, you know, Jack and Jill. We're living in an environment right now where Facebook, Google, and Amazon are sucking up so much of the advertising revenue. As a business person, you have to look for investments that are subscription-based or e-commerce. Facebook may one day regret not coming up with a subscription model. Same thing with Google, same thing with Amazon. But they give us some, some amazing services. Now, Amazon's got the Prime, so they've got some subscription model. But even with Amazon, they have a thing with me. Um, every month I get a package in the mail from them, and I have way too many paper towels and, and, and toilet paper to... I, I'm good if a nuclear strike hits, as long as they don't catch fire and burn. But you get the idea. Subscriptions. Maybe get a subscription to like a Virginia college. You start it when you're young, right? Or a Virginia education system or your, your government pays for your education if you do it, subscribe to it. I don't know. What's next? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I hope you realize that I'm going to put my heart into things, and hopefully you can find something positive 
and all the blabber that I try to say about investing. I got an email from a grandmother. Listen to this. And this just shows you, like, I, I, I kind of love her. You've got mail. She, she wanted to buy her kid, granddaughter, $10,000 of stock, and she wanted to do ExxonMobil. And she wanted to do a marijuana stock. And the marijuana stock was a penny stock. And I don't know. Um, it's tough for me to put this in context other than to say, what is she thinking? And I don't want to say that because I think it's sweet that you want to put $10,000 in a saving account for your granddaughter. First and foremost, talk to the granddaughter's parents, your kids. Um, I think that would be important. I think that would be helpful. Um, as far as college planning goes, I think it would be wise. When you have beautiful children, you want to give them the best future you can. Most people do. Some people don't. But the idea of saving money for your kid and keeping it in their name is kind of also ludicrous because if you take a look at a 8-year-old or a 10-year-old, they're pretty emotionally a, a mess. And they're about to hit hormone season and get even more emotionally nuts. And in this day and age, we're probably better at raising kids than we were in the past, but I don't think putting savings in a kid's name is necessarily a good idea until you think that they're ready to handle it. Were you ready to be able to handle it when you're 18? I tell the story when I was 18, if my parents had, not my parents, but maybe my grandparents had left me money, I might have skipped college and gone to Europe. See myself, see for myself up front and close and personal what these French women and wine was all about. And I would never have gone to college. That would probably have blown my opportunity. I'm not saying that's like the end all be all. It's not. But for me, it worked. So should she open an account for her kids? No. She should, I think, save in her own name just in case she needs it. I think she should be the coolest grandmother on the planet. $10,000 is way cool. Start with five. Put $9,995 in an investment in your name. And every year, give your kid $5. And do it on their birthday or do it on January 1st. Or every, not your kid, but your grandkid. Do it on July 15th, Grandparents Day. And up that number in your lifetime. And write it into your will that when you pass, it gets kicked on. Or when she does go to college, he does go to college, that you, you know, make sure you, you'll pay for, hey, hey, sissy, I'll pay her for your apartment if you uh, pay for your school. There's ways of being a great grandparent without, you know, flashing the do re me. So that's just my opinion. The traditional pay TV universe of 300 plus channels is going to shrink dramatically over the next 10 years. So says Hulu CEO Randy Freer. He thinks there'll be maybe a dozen cable TV networks still standing. I mostly agree with that statement, and it's, it's about time. I mean, we got to the point of bloat. When you can't find Shark Week, it's bloated. Is it on the Discovery Channel? Is it on the HLN Channel? Is it on the Lifestyle Channel? Is it on the Shark Channel? Wait, there's a Shark, shark Channel? It's bloat, in my opinion. So in the 80s and 90s, we did create some pretty cool TV shows. You know, the, the flipping houses, flipping spouses, all that kind of stuff. And then everything's been copycat ever since, and they just create a new network around it. Oprah! Oprah Winfrey! Do we need an Oprah channel? Is there anything else she can try to sell us? The whole weight loss is just a problem, because I just have a problem with her trying to sell weight loss. It's like Dr. Phil trying to sell weight loss. You're not exactly fit. Yes, but if you eat my pizza... But if you eat eight slices, I'm not going to get into that. In the next 
decade, the Hulu CEO said, it's not going to be about scheduled networks. He says, it's not going to be about linear, where you have to have like Friday night open, Thursday night TV. Cable networks that have been able to build a brand like AMC. I love AMC. There, there's almost nothing they, they've done that I go, that's, that's trash. Now, I, I don't see a lot of it, so it's tough to say. But they've made some pretty big TV shows in the era where HBO and Netflix and Amazon were making the big TV shows. So Hulu offers a live streaming TV package with over 55 channels. And they recently added several linear nets from Discovery. I think Discovery's going to be a winner. I think AMC's going to be a winner. And after that, it's going to be very, very tough to, to put a finger on it. Both publicly traded. And you see something like a... Uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, and you see the subscription charges, and you're like, okay, I get it. We're not going to really count on the advertisers, because the advertisers are going over to Facebook. And they're jumping from Comcast, and they're going to Google. I had a seminar that I wanted to promote and just get some people there. And I went to Facebook. I didn't go to cable. Cable I've looked at in the past. And you know what I would use if I used cable? The Golf Channel. The Golf Channel is affluent people. If that's who you're trying to reach, that's who watches the Golf Channel. I'm like, what about AMC? They're like, that's not necessarily affluent people. I'm like, what about HBO? Not necessarily affluent people. So Hulu's top 20 million total subscribers. They're going to add more, obviously, um, moving forward. So look at your business models. Look at the subscribers. Look at some of the content that, you know, like ABC, NBC, CBS, that used to be linear and sell advertising to to fill those hours. When do, don't you think they'd be better off? CBS has got a, a pay service out there that not a lot of people are using. But you get premium access to the Star Trek universe or whatever. Is that enough to get me there? Not me. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.